Amen. Amen. Amen, church family? Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, it's awesome just to see our church reaching out more and more to the community. And that's why we're doing this health fair tomorrow. Now, how many people plan to be at this health fair tomorrow? Raise your hand. Amen, church family. You know what's really awesome about this health fair is that we have been praying that God would explode the advertising. We've been praying that prayer. And just in the last few days, some remarkable things have been taking place. We get a call from uh, somebody in the city, and uh, actually it was from the, uh, it was one of our church members who works for the Behavior Health Department of Stanislaus County. Apparently, the email, the advertisement went out to all the city employees. Then we got a call from the Riverbank County Health Office. They sent it out to all their employees as well. And then we got a call from Waterford School District. They actually sent home the flyer with 800 of their students. And then Sutter Gold sent the advertisement to every one of their employees. And Doctors Hospital as well. So God is doing some awesome things. Amen? God is good. And we want to be where Jesus is at. Amen? And what he is doing, and that's why this health fair is just the beginning. It's just the what? Just the beginning of what God plans to do in 2012. Can you say amen to that? I want you to come on out. I want you to invite as many people as you can. Look, everyone would love to feel better. Amen? To be happy and to be more joyful. And that's what this health fair is all about. And so I just want to let you guys know the, the walk run starts again at what time? 8.45, but be here at 8 o'clock. You're going to need about 30 minutes of stretching to do it, okay? And if you can't run, that's okay. You can walk and bring a stroller or walk a dog. It's going to be an enjoyable uh, jog throughout the community. And uh, there'll be water, and Elsie will make sure you don't faint, by the way. We will also have the health fair that actually opens at 10 o'clock. But there's going to be free cholesterol screening for the first 100 people. It's going to be free. And normally those are $80 a pop. So this is something we're offering to the community. We're going to have doctors doing lectures, dentists doing lectures. I mean, you name it. We are reaching out to the community because we want to better this community for the glory of God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And so God is, is doing some awesome things, and we want to be there. Amen? Amen, amen church family. Well, we have um, something I want to actually show you. And I really believe this is going to blow your mind away. Are you ready for this? All right, now if we could play this video, and I want you to listen, so make sure you are not distracted. I promise you this, when you watch this video, you're going to be blown away. As people age, they try to find ways to pre preserve their appearance, and a Florida woman says she has found the fountain of youth. News Channel 5's Tanya Rogers joins us now with this special report. Tanya? Well, Jane Chan and I have had several people ask me, how old is she? She is a grandmother, and she is eligible for a senior citizen discount. Her quest started because she wanted to feel healthy and have lots of energy, but she has reaped more benefits than she anticipated. And, and here we have some ginger. Annette Larkins shows off her garden in her Miami-Dade County backyard. It's full of fruits and vegetables. Every corner of her garden has something that is edible. And I've been eating them and they're so good. She also collects rainwater to drink and water her plants. Annette says the food in her garden is her fountain of youth. I'm very vibrant. I have lots of energy, as I told you before. I'm up at uh, no later than 5.30 in the morning as a rule, and I'm ready to go. Annette's husband owned a meat store in the 1960s. That's when she became a vegetarian. But as the years went by, she became a raw vegan. She does not eat any animal products. Her food is unprocessed and uncooked. 
My diet consists of fruits, nuts, vegetables, and seeds. I do a lot of sprouting of seeds. And as you can see from my garden, of course, these are the raw foods that I eat. Annette also juices fruits and veggies. You name it, she can juice it. Grapefruits, pineapples, even spinach. But not everyone in the Larkins family eats and drinks this way. Annette's husband of almost 54 years chose to continue to eat the way he did when they were first married. I really wish I would have uh, did what she's done. Amos Larkins says people even wonder if Annette is his wife. They'll ask me what am I doing with their young girl. Or uh, they'll say, you got your granddaughter with you. You know, and... Uh, <laughs> Things like that, you know. Amos takes prescription medicines daily for high blood pressure and diabetes. Annette says she doesn't even take an aspirin. Because friends and strangers kept asking her questions about her health and youthful appearance, she decided to publish two Journey to Health booklets, and she produced the DVD 12 years ago. Discovery Channel, they had me to, they took sections of the booklet and translated them into Spanish, which, by the way, is my second language. So how old is this size four beauty? Annette just turned 70 years old. This one lady who is my age, she said, you know, to, was telling her friend that I used to tell them about eating and they wouldn't listen. And she, her, her uh, reply was to that or her response to that was, uh, look at her now and look at us. She's an amazing person, though. Oh, man. I mean, I mean, really, she do everything. I mean, build computers, oh, she's make all her own clothes, grow her own food, speak three languages. You know, I, it's amazing. Now, Annette has been eating completely raw for 27 years. And we want to remind everyone, no matter how old you think she really looks, she changed her lifestyle to feel better and have a good quality of life. And her husband says, I wish I had done what she did. And I said, well, is it too late? He goes, yes, too late for me. <laughs> she looks fantastic. But in this day and age, you know, a lot of people ask me, has she had plastic surgery? She hasn't. Um, she said she hasn't had any plastic surgery. She said, but never say never. Because she said, maybe when I'm 80, I might change my mind. But she hasn't had any plastic surgery. And it's really neat because he says she's so beautiful. And he says when he wants to get help, when he goes to, like, the grocery store or something, he says, Annette, you walk in front of me because you get all the attention. And then I'll be able to ask the questions. Works out in his favor there. And her kids, her two boys are in their 50s, early 50s. Yeah. How, how was the orange juice? I saw you tasting it. It was very was good. It good. And she literally drinks all that through, like, a week or two weeks. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's a full-time job, I'm sure, cooking that food. It is. Tanya. Great story, Tanya. Very enlightening right. and eye-opening. Thank right. you. You're welcome. <laughs> now, how many people were impressed by that video? Raise your hand. Now, how many people would like to look like that when they're 70 years old? I would. I mean, a male version, of course, but I mean, I would. I absolutely would love to look like that when I'm 70 years old and see my wife get a little jealous because I look better than she does. But here's the thing, folks. Ready for this one? Most people would watch a video like this and say, expect the ending to hear something like this. And by the way, she's a Seventh-day Adventist. But you didn't hear that. And the reason why is because she's not a Seventh-day Adventist. Yet she's incorporating all the principles of health that have been found in the writings of Ellen G. White. Can you say amen to that? Look, if we don't use it, somebody else will. Amen? If we don't use it, somebody else will. And why this is very important is because when you think about heaven, when you think about what? Heaven, imagine heaven in your mind. And in heaven, you see all the beautiful flying creatures and, the, and just the, 
the atmosphere and just the babbling brooks and the, the, the beautiful plants and wildlife and all the angels there. And normally we think of, when we think about heaven, we're thinking about heaven's beauty. But listen to what I'm about to tell you right now. Heaven's beauty is based upon heaven's behavior. Do you hear what I just said? Heaven's beauty happens because of heaven's what? Behavior, right? In other words, you don't read about in the book of Revelation, they're walking through the, right by the rivers of the water of life, and there, one of the redeemed decides, as he sees this beautiful wild oxen run off, he doesn't think to himself, man, that looks good, and he goes chasing after and takes it down, right? And then all the angels jump on there, and there's a scuffle, and people are getting hurt. You don't read about that, and the reason why is because heaven is a beautiful place, and heaven is beautiful because of heaven's what? Behavior. When we pray for God's will to be done, now think about the Lord's prayer. We're praying for God's will to be done. Do we have to pray for God's will to be done in heaven, yes or no? No. We pray for God's will to be done where? Earth. Because heaven is a place where what is already being done? God's will. We don't have to pray for God's will to be done in heaven. The Lord's prayer simply states, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. Already it's being done in heaven. Heaven is a place where God's will is being done. It's earth where we need to pray for God's will because earth is not a place where God's will is being done. Can you say amen to that? Now, when you think about heaven, you begin to realize that heaven is a place of health. It's a place of what? Health. It's a place where people are vibrant, where the, the intellect has this strong vigor, where people are enjoying all of eternity. When you're looking at the book of Revelation, you realize that this picture of health is the picture of heaven. Amen? And when Jesus came down to earth, he brought heaven to earth. He brought what to earth? Heaven. Everybody take your Bible. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. You're going to see what the ministry of Christ looked like. You're going to see the things that he did to bring heaven all the way down to earth. Take your Bible. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. And if you're there, go ahead and say amen. And let's go ahead and start with verse 23. And watch what the Bible says. And Jesus went throughout all what? Galilee. Now pay attention to this. Teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and what's that next word? Healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he, what's that next word? Healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. I want you to see what the ministry of Christ looked like. The ministry of Christ did not just, uh, was not just the preaching in the multitude. The ministry of Christ also incorporated a message of healing. Okay? So there you have the two parts. You have the spiritual gospel, and then you have the physical gospel. You have the message that was for the healing of the soul and the message or the uh, actions for the, the healing of the body. Healing of the mind and healing of the what? Body. You know why? You know why Jesus preached the healing of the body? 
Because we're not floating vapors going around. We're not Casper the ghost going around. We consist of a body, right? We have a body. We have a mind. And because of sin, not only is our mind affected, but our body as well. And so the message that Jesus brought was not just a healing for the mind, but healing for the body. Can you say amen to that? And it was by healing of the body that it opened the doors for the healing of the mind. And this is something we need to understand, that God does not just care about your mind, he cares about your body. Can you say amen to that? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, we don't like to believe that, or we don't want to accept that, but your body is special to Jesus. You only got one, amen? You only have one body. And if you're willing to take a, a super expensive Lamborghini and make sure it has the right gasoline and make sure that is maintained by the best mechanics and make sure it's cleaned and it's polished and it's protected, folks, think about this. If you're willing to do that for a, a car that one day will be destroyed, how much more should you care for the one body that you have? Can you say amen to that? Your body is important to God and it should be important to you. And Jesus' message of bringing heaven to earth was not just a message for healing of the mind, it was for a, the healing of the body. Now, a lot of times people will think to themselves and say, wait a second, wasn't it miracles and the gospel message? No, it was not. It was actually the gospel message and healing. Well, what's the difference? God used the venue of miracles to produce healing, but his goal was healing. The goal was healing. And with the, with the venue or the avenue of miracles, he would produce that objective. So the objective was the healing of the body and the healing of the mind. He used the venue of the gospel message to produce that healing in the mind, and he used the venue of miracles to produce that objective. So many times you have a lot of Protestant Christians who will be like, well, Jesus did miracles and he preached the gospels. That's what his mission was. Wrong. It was the healing of the mind through the gospel message, and it was the healing of the body through the venue of miracles. But miracles was not his objective. It was healing. Can you say amen if you understand that, yes or no? I guess amen is not yes or no, but it's amen. <laughs> but folks, we need to understand that. So however we accomplish that objective, that's what matters. Jesus wants to bring healing to the mind and healing to the body. Now, Jesus' message, don't forget this, consists, I'm being very redundant because I don't want you to miss this point. Jesus' message consisted of healing for the mind through the gospel message, and it consisted of healing of the body through the venue of miracles, okay? Now, watch this. Everybody, take your Bible. Let's go to Matthew chapter, or excuse me, Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. And you're going to see something very remarkable here. I've been actually giving this worship talk a couple times throughout the week. Luke chapter 9, if you're there, go ahead and say amen. amen. Now watch what the Bible says. Then he called his 12 what? Disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to, what's that next word? Cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to what? What's that next word? Heal the sick. No, notice this. Jesus, when he's sending out his 12 disciples, he gives them two objectives. Number one, to preach the kingdom of God and to heal what? The sick. They were to do only those two things. He sent them out. He said, all right, you 12, I want you to go preach the gospel. And what's that next word, phrase? Heal the sick. Now watch what happens next. 
Verse 3, and he said to them, take nothing for the journey, neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust of your feet as a testimony against him. Now pay attention to verse 6. It gives, it's very key. So they departed, went through the towns, preaching the gospel, and what's that next word? Healing everywhere. So what two things did the disciples do? Preaching the gospel and what? Healing. They didn't just preach the gospel. They incorporated healing as well. So preaching the gospel and healing. He sent them out to go do this work. Now it's very remarkable about what happens next. This is exciting. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by what? Him and he was perplexed. You fast forward to the very end. It says that Herod the Tetrarch actually wanted to see Jesus. Why this is extremely important is because of this. Jesus actually had not done so much work all over Israel. This is only Luke chapter 9. His ministry just began. But word was coming back to Jesus that Jesus was over here doing this powerful work. Jesus was over there doing that powerful work. Jesus was over here doing that powerful work. Jesus was there doing that powerful work. And he was hearing reports like, Jesus just two minutes ago healed a guy in Modesto, and three minutes ago he healed a guy all the way in San Francisco. Now you would think, wow, that is amazing. How in the world is he getting all over the place? But the truth of the matter was, he wasn't. His disciples were. Now what message were the disciples bringing to the world at that time? Healing of the mind and healing of the body. Why is that very important? Because the disciples had so replicated the work of Christ, it was as if Christ himself was doing it. So the reason why Herod was hearing about Jesus doing that work was because the two disciples went over there. They had so replicated or duplicated the work of Christ in preaching and in healing. Word came back, Jesus was over there. And all the way in San Francisco, Peter and James were out there and they were just preaching the gospel and they were healing. Word came back to Herod, Jesus was there. The work was so replicated by the disciples in the same exact manner, it was as if Jesus was doing that. You know why that's very important? Because we're not just here to preach the gospel. Amen, church family? We are here to help bring healing to a broken world. And when we're incorporating this work, i.e. the health fair, i.e. our health programs, you know what's coming back to people? Jesus was there. Jesus was here Sunday. Jesus was there Saturday morning. Jesus was there when he visited us. Jesus was there. What the world is looking for, they are not just looking for spiritual healing, they are looking for physical healing. And why that is very important, because God has given us the tools for healing. Can you say amen to that, church family? Now, when it comes to being healthy, we need to take some things into mind. I asked, actually asked Scott a few weeks ago to preach about the health message, and I heard that uh, he, he, he sort of misinterpreted my appeal that I had given him. He had said something about 50 people shaving their heads, but it wasn't actually 50 people to shave their heads. It was actually just me and uh, Pastor Scott. I said, Pastor Scott, if you get 50 people who are willing to be healthy really healthy, and uh, if they're willing to commit to that, 
I will shave my head and you should shave your head too. He replied back to me, he said, uh, Sherry will not be happy with this decision. So I said, Tim, I'll ask Chris Nelson and Ed home. I'm sure they'll do this. And I, I texted Chris and I said, hey, you need to shave your head because if we can get 50 people to commit to being really healthy, uh, this is going to be just a, an incentive. And he replied back to me, you go shave your head. <laughs> I told him, I said, Doug Batchelor did it for his church. And he said, Doug Batchelor doesn't have hair. <laughs> I never got a reply back from Ed Holmes, so I'm still hoping for that one right there. But folks, we need to be healthy, amen? We need to present the attractiveness of the health message. And when we present the attractiveness of the health message, people are going to want to come out and they're going to want to see what we got. They're tired of going to the, the Walgreens and the CVS and the Thrifties to come back just to take some medication that's just going to cause the exact same symptoms or even worse symptoms than they had before. They're looking for healing. And the messages we have in the scriptures and the messages that have been handed down to us from the spirit of prophecy produce the healing that the world is looking for. Can you say amen to that? So we need to make sure we're healthy. Amen? There are many people out here saying, amen, hallelujah, preacher. You need to preach the truth about the health message. And they're just excited about going home so they can take a big, long nap and to that juicy hamburger they're about to eat. But here's the thing, folks. Before we can give the health message, we need to make sure we are experiencing the health message. Amen? We need to make sure we're reaping all the benefits, just like that woman did, reaping all the benefits, and people are going to come up to us, and they're going to interview us and say, hey, how did you end up like this? When they see what you are doing, and they are seeing what you are experiencing in your body, they're going to want what you have. And that door that is open leads to the preaching of God's word. Can you say amen to that? God is calling for health reformers in this church. I'm not a health reformer, but I know God is, is placing that burden upon certain people. And I pray and hope that those people would go forward in the spirit of Christ to proclaim to this world, look, there is a message, a beautiful message of healing found in the Seventh-day Adventist church movement. Can you say amen to that? So we need to remember some simple principles when it comes to health, okay? Number one is this. Now, everybody reach for the sky right now. Reach for the sky. Put your hands down. I want you to reach for the sky even more. Go a couple inches. Okay, very good. Now, put your hands down. Now, how many people got higher the second time? Raise your hand. Why didn't you do that the first time? You know why? Because we're not a people that likes to try hard. <laughs> Amen? We, we like to just try a little bit and run off. When it comes to the message, we've got to put effort into that. Can you say amen? If there's one thing you've got to care about, it's your body. Because what you put in your body affects your mind. It affects your spiritual decision. And don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. Don't let anybody ever tell you otherwise, whether a preacher or church member, whoever they are, what you put in your body affects your mind, plain and simple. Can you say amen to that? And it's very important that we actually, number one, put effort into being healthy. Amen? By the way, healthy is not an event, it's a lifestyle. Amen? You know, I'm going to be healthy, I plan to go to the health fair. Well, what's beyond the health fair? You see what I'm saying? 
Being healthy is a culture we need to enter into. It is an atmosphere. You must put effort into being healthy. Number one. Number two. Healthy is fun. Can you say amen to that? Healthy is what? Fun. Now, I know maybe about 20 or 30 years ago, people, if you heard the health message, people would have ran for the hills already before probation closed. They would have already run there, right, and hide, hid out. But here's the thing to realize. Right now, the health message is so valuable, it is so attractive. About 15, 20 years ago, when you brought up the health message to other Christians, they would say to you, wait, 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 wait. Jesus did away with the whole clean and unclean thing at the cross. You tell it to people today, they're like, tell me more. I want more. The objections that used to be used are no longer being used because the world is coming to a conclusion, and that is it needs to be healthy. It's the only way to live today. It's the only way to live. So number one, put effort into your health. Number two, healthy is fun. Now you guys are laughing right now. But I'm going to give you guys a secret. I have a special drink I drink in the morning. It's called the Superman. And the Superman gives you more energy than Folgers or Starbucks or, raw, or, or um, monster drinks could ever give you. I need to be careful with this blender. I actually heard a children's story where someone talked about their mom putting their hand in the blender while she turned the switch on. We'll keep it unplugged. <laughs> now, how many people here own blenders? Raise your hand. Okay, good, then you can make this. Okay, what this is, it's called the Superman, and it's just a very simple smoothie. It's a simple what? Smoothie, and you make this in the morning, and you're gonna be powered and charged up for the entire day. Healthy is fun. Number one, put effort into your health. Number two, realize that healthy is fun. Okay, here we go. It's plain and simple. All you simply do is you take some almonds. You take some what? Almonds. I need someone to be my assistant. Hector, can you be my assistant? Our lovely assistant, Hector, is coming to the front. And uh, Hector? Oh, I got it open, actually, so just be ready. Plug it in. Okay, no, not yet. <laughs> so I'm just putting some almonds in here. That's it. Just like a couple handfuls of almonds. Very good, very simple, right? Then what I'm doing next is I am taking some delicious almond milk. I'm pouring it in. Not too hard so far, right? Okay, very good. Just hold that, okay. Now, this is the special ingredient. It's called spinach. A handful of spinach goes in there. And then another handful. Now you're thinking, oh, that is so disgusting. You wait. Uh, Patrick, where's the cover? Here it is. Now, this may not blend so quickly and so easily, but as we're, we're doing this, we're, I'm going to need some volunteers to actually try this out, okay? And when you try this out, you're going to be blown away. I promise you this. You're going to walk away just, just so enthralled with this Superman smoothie, okay? Can you stick your hand in there? Just kidding. Okay. Let me unplug this. You know when you try to get a puppy to do a trick 
and it does the trick when no one's watching, and then when you're trying to do it in front of people, it doesn't do the trick. Tastes pretty good? And he's not paid. <laughs> All right. Now, some of you guys think, well, that's really nice, Sunel, but try to get my little kid to drink this. Okay, I'm going to call Mariah to come to the front. Mariah, do you mind coming to the front? Now, you think it's impossible to get vegetables inside your kids. This is how you do it. Damien, thanks for volunteering yourself. Try this out. How's it taste? Give them the thumbs up. You cannot taste the spinach, but guess what? They just got three bananas, a handful of almonds, and two big handfuls of spinach. Can you say amen to that? Healthy is fun. Amen? Thank you so much. You guys can be seated, or you guys can serve people later on if you want. So. So number one, put effort into your health. Real effort. Number two, healthy is fun. Look for fun ways to make healthy fun. I'll tell you this. One of the great things I get to do in the morning is that my routine consists of getting up in the morning, spending time with Jesus, about an hour. I get up, and then I'll do some reading, and then I'll head to the gym. Now, I take Patrick because he's my roommate, but ever since I've been going to the gym with Patrick about two or three times a week, he's lost 15 pounds in the last month. Amen? When you take somebody with you and you start incorporating those health principles, health becomes fun. It's exciting just you and a friend or you and your husband and wife and say, hey, let's go on this special diet for about a week. Let's do juicing for a couple days. When you do something with somebody else, the blessing returns right back to you. Can you say amen to that? So number one, health, put effort into your health. Number two, healthiness is fun. And number three, you need to be methodical with your health and not impulsive. You need to be what? Methodical. Now the difference is between someone who is methodical and somebody who is impulsive with their health is somebody who is impulsive will be something like this. They decide at that very moment, as soon as they're just, uh, just walking through the health fair, I got it, I'm going to be a raw vegan for the next two weeks. So you ask them a question, you say to them, did you prepare for this? Nope, I just thought about it. Do you know what you're going to eat? Nope, I just thought about this. Okay, do you have a plan? Nope, I just thought about this. And you're going to commit to two weeks? Yes. And you don't have any plan, you have no study into this? No. And what's funny is that you later find that person in the middle of the night about the second day of the raw vegan diet, and here they are, they're eating a giant steak, and there's blood coming down their side of their lip, and you're looking, what are you doing? And they're, shh, they hiss at you. Now you're laughing right now, but most America goes on these fad diets, they go on these impulsive diets, and just within two or three days, they're done with that diet and they give up. You need to be methodical about your health. You need to be what? Methodical. You need to prepare, you need to plan, you need to educate yourself on the principles of health. Can you say amen to that? And when you do that, you're going to be more likely to follow that health plan than you just did when you thought about it impulsively. So number one, put effort into your health. Number two, remember number two? Health is fun. And number three, what? Be methodical about your, your uh, plan to be healthy. So don't forget that. Are you ready for number four? 
Number four, ready for this one? Here it is, it's very simple. And if you study the councils of Ellen G. White, you will see this is incorporated in there. Grow a garden. Grow a what? A garden. By the way, when you study the scriptures, you will find out that Adam was called to tend to a garden prior to the fall and after the fall as well. Adam was called to be a gardener. When you study the spirit of prophecy, you will find that gardening is something she recommends over and over again, especially with people with families. Because there's even almost a spiritual element to gardening. Why? Because here you are, you're out here in nature, your hands are in the dirt. And you're reminding yourself, and the Spirit of God reminds you of when God created Adam. And there you are. And you see plant life grow from a seed to a sampling, uh, sapling. And then all of a sudden the fruit comes. And you learn about the predators that are trying to take the, the, the plant fruit away. And you teach your children these principles over and over again. If you make an effort to do gardening with your child and ask Jesus to bless that, I promise you, you will reap blessings that are worth more than anything. Grow a gardening. We're living in a day and age these, day, these, these times where, where pesticides and hormones are being injected into plenty of fruits and vegetables. Now, I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists that say, go plant your garden right now and just start stockpiling food. But what I am saying is this. You ought to eat more natural. Amen? How many people want to live a long time? Raise your hand. How many people want to be happy? How many people want to live a joyful, bright, and have that just that sheen, that glow that comes from your face because you're healthy? Amen? Guess what? Kick that meat out of here. Kick that meat out of there. Start eating more natural, and I promise you this, very rapidly you will reap the benefits of health. I'm going to read a very powerful quotation by Ellen G. White, and she says something so remarkable. This is what she says right here. She says this. This is found in Maranatha 62.6, and you need to read the rest of the quotation, but this is what she says. Again and again, I have been shown that, now pay attention to this, again and again, I have been shown that God is trying to lead us back, step by step, to his original design, that man should subsist upon the natural products of the earth. God gave this prophet wisdom and told her that God is trying to lead his people back to the natural things of earth. We understand that diet is progressive. We understand that diet is a journey. But folks, if you're not growing in your diet journey, you are going the opposite way. You're destroying yourself. So God calls you to take another step and to take another step and start incorporating more and more natural stuff in your lifestyle. I'm not here to beat anybody over the head with this, but I want you to understand that Jesus wants to bless you. Amen? He wants to surround you with his favor, and he wants nothing to stand in the way of those benefits that you could be reaping if you were following God's plans. Can you say amen to that? And folks, you'll see tomorrow when all these people come out, they're going to be searching for help, but you know where to point them. Amen? So number one... What? Put effort into your health. Good. Number two, health is fun. Make it fun if it's not fun, right? Number three, be methodical about your healthiness, okay? And number four, I heard mumbling. Try to grow a garden. You will see just the wonderful benefits that will come from growing a garden. Amen? Now, folks, take your Bible. I want you to see something as we're coming down to the last part of this sermon.
Take your Bible, go to Mark chapter 6. Are you there? Good. Okay, now let's go ahead and let's start with verse 16. Actually, let's start with verse 14, excuse me. Now, King Herod heard of what? Him. This is after the disciples were going out preaching and healing, for his name had become well known. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, therefore these powers are at work in him. Herod, Antipas, what his problem was, he was feeling a lot of conviction because he was hearing about Jesus doing all these things, and he had heard about all the miracles that were taking place, and he was worried and scared for his life because he had done something very bad. Now let's see what the Bible says he did. Verse, nine, verse 16. Now when Herod heard, he said, This is John whom I have beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself has sent and laid hold on John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he has married her. Because John had said to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And we he heard him, he did many things, and heard him gladly. Now this is very remarkable. Jo uh, John the Baptist was in prison. Herod Antipas, he was afraid of killing John. He was afraid of wiping out John because he knew that John had the Holy Spirit. Now John lived a life that was uh, just what you would call a life that was abstaining from all the pleasures of the world, even the good things, but his lifestyle was of itself a message. So John the Baptist is thrown in prison, and Herod's wife wants John the Baptist killed because uh, John the Baptist has pointed out their iniquity, and she wants him dead. Something happens one day. Now watch what happens. Verse 21. Then an opportune day came. When Herod on his birthday gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers, and the chief men in Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. And he swore to her, now pay attention to this, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my what? Kingdom. Now I want you to pay attention to what's happened to Herod. Herod's at this party. His, this feast has taken place. He invites all his friends. And there they are. They are drinking. They're just having this great time. A lot of revelry. And they're just there. And all of a sudden, Herodias' daughter comes in. And just in the flush of her womanhood, she starts dancing. And here Herod is, intoxicated. Under the influence of wine. No longer able to make right decisions. And so he says to her, ask whatever you want, and I will give it to you, up to half of my kingdom. But little did he know, he would end up losing everything. One night of revelry, one night of being intoxicated, one night of being under the influence of something he should not have been under, led to him losing everything. He lost everything. You know, it was just about a few weeks ago, I was with Sam Smith, he's a theology student, so you guys know him, and I said, hey, let's go to church on Sunday, let's go visit some of the other churches. I wanted to be a witness. So we enter into this non-denominational church, and here the teacher was talking about alcohol. 
And he says something to this group of collegiate students, to this group of young adults. He says, we're going to be talking about alcohol. And he says, alcohol is permissible in the Bible. And then he says this. He says, but you need to be careful. And when you're under a, a few drinks, what you need to do, you need to be temperate. You don't want to go overboard. You don't want to be drunk. But it's okay for you to have a little bit. Now, I just can't keep my mouth shut during times like that. <laughs> I raise my hand. And I, you know, trying to act like one of the young adults. I'm actually 32 years old. But anyways, I raised my hand and I said, hey, can I ask a question? He's like, yeah. I said, how are you supposed to remain temperate when you're already intoxicated? Like, how do you regulate how much you drink when you're already under the influence? How do you exercise self-control? And everyone started laughing because they knew that question was the question that was needed at that moment. Folks, listen to me. Jesus loves you whether or not you drink alcohol. He absolutely loves you. And you're here today and you're hearing something like this. Listen to what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it very lovingly, but at the same time very sharp to you. Because I care. But I know God cares more. Herod never expected on that one night what his actions would lead to. He didn't just lose half his kingdom. He lost the kingdom of heaven. One night, no one who gets into a drunk driving accident thinks to himself, well, I'm excited about getting drunk and hitting somebody and killing them. No one ever thinks like that. No one ever walks into a bar and tells themselves, well, you know, I'm really excited about causing some damage when I leave this place. Listen to what I'm about to tell you right now. Seventh-day Adventist Christians should not put any alcohol in their mouth. Nothing. If you care about the rest of humanity, if you care about your family and your witness and what God cares about, don't ever put any of that stuff in your mouth because one night, one night, you could lose everything. You don't want to lose everything. Amen, church family? You don't want to lose everything. And if you're hearing my voice, it's because God's mercy is pleading for you today. God's mercy is pleading for you today. God is calling for his people to be healthy, to be examples of health to this world. Now, I know you can live completely consistent with all the principles of God's law and health and still end up with, you know, problems. I know that we have genetic predispositions, but guess what? Science is confirming more and more that your lifestyle makes more of a greater impact than your genetic predisposition. What you do, what you put in your mouth, what you drink... What you smoke, anything that affects the mind affects the mind, but mind, it affects you. Listen to what I'm saying, church family. The Spirit of God is pleading with you tonight. God is calling for you to make the right decision because He knows the future. He knows the future and He is trying to save you. Folks, I want to do something very special tonight. I'm going to call up our elders. I'm going to call up our elders. If you're an elder, I want you to come to, this front, to the front of the church, please. If you're somebody today who is struggling with something physical, if you're somebody who is struggling with an addiction, if you're somebody who is struggling with something you just can't overcome, then we want to pray for you.
And you're thinking to yourself, I already went up there last week or two weeks ago and nothing's changed. Guess what? If you come up the second time, victory is taking place. Victory is taking place. If you're somebody today who is struggling with something, I want to invite you to come up. You don't even have to say what it is. If you're somebody who says, I just want prayer, I don't need to say what it is. I just want prayer. I want you to come up to the front and our elders are going to pray for you. Our elders are going to pray and that the blood of Jesus would cover your sins. They're going to pray for you that you have victory. That you have victory over your iniquities. Let's pray, church family. Father in heaven, we thank you so much. Lord, that you're pleading before the Father. Can't save ourselves, God. That's your job. And I know there's people here, God, that aren't overcoming. And Lord, they're wanting victory in their lives. God, we know that the change takes place first when we allow you to come in. And so God, if there are people here who need praying, bring them up to the front, Lord. If they need intercession, bring them up to the front, God, that your blessings may rest upon them. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.